Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hello, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week. Thank you. It's good yeah. to be here. We have a, another great listener question. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks for writing in. This one's going to be a little bit more detailed. We have a lot, lot of nuance here um, to unpack. So Keeping us on our toes. Buckle up. What? Yeah. Um, can I read it? Yeah, go for it. it. Okay, this message, this question is from Anne. Anne says, thank you so much for the podcast. I'm learning so much, even though I have an MBA. Well, thank you, Anne, for that. And she then goes on to say, can I unwind a non-deductible IRA and revert it to a retail account? My CPA suggested I put $7,000 aside each year, and did it once, and then put it into a backdoor Roth. My income is high. We paid 51% in effective taxes last year, and I max out my 401k at work without a match. But here's where it gets complicated. I have a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, a SEP IRA from a side consulting business, and now also the non-deductible IRA, all in Schwab and a mix of index funds and individual dividend stocks. Mm -hmm. But my employer's 401k plan is at Transamerica and it's terrible. They have high fees and not great fund options. I am worried about rolling my various retirement funds, about 400,000 for me, into Transamerica just to put seven or 14,000 into a backdoor Roth it would cost almost as much in fees as I would save in taxes. Mm-hmm. Not to mention opportunity cost when forced to sell my holdings to conform to what Transamerica offers. Giving this and the impending demise of the backdoor Roth, can I somehow convert my $7,000 back into a non-retirement holding? Some stats on me slash us for what it's worth. I'm 56 years old, recently remarried in 2020. Husband has done the backdoor Roth and has $1.5 million in his 401k slash IRA. 2 million in real estate and 2 million in his retail account. He also has 2.5 million in real estate, but a mortgage of $1.6 million on that. I have the $400,000 in retirement assets plus $1 million in retail accounts, about 150,000 of it is earmarked for a long-term care one-time premium. I own my house. It's worth $1.8 million without a mortgage. We live separately until kids graduate next year. So we are on a good trajectory, both in tech with high paying jobs. I'm just finding that non-deductible IRA is nagging at me. Many thanks to you both. Well, thanks for the question. Yes, and wow, thank, thank you, you for the, the detail. And even though, you know, just as a reminder for everyone, we're always going to give frameworks of how we think about things for Anne today, but this is by no means financial advice because we aren't her advisor. We, we can't, we don't know everything, even though it sounds like there's a lot here that we should know now, yeah. there are so many things we don't know. Um, but thank you so much for the que- for the question. Yeah, and I, I think for anyone listening, kind of, there's a bunch in there. And at the core of it, the question is that non-deductible IRA piece. So, what yeah. should I effectively do with my ongoing or even past contributions? Yep. Given the light of the options in front of me, or, or with the options in front of me. Yeah. So, um, lots of ways we can go with this. Yep. Um, I mean, this is like. 
what Anne's describing is kind of the bread and butter of who I work with in my practice, like tech, tech compensation, you know, work, working our way to retirement. So this is like, this just feels at home. I, I know you work with a lot of clients in a similar fashion as well. Um, but the thing that jumped out at me straight away about, can I, so the question, the kind of question was, can I unwind my non-deductible IRA and revert to retail? My question for Anne will be, do you really want to? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is because one of the first episodes we ever did, and Anna, if you haven't listened, to, you can go back and listen to it, is um, which is better, a, a SEP IRA or a solo 401k? Right. And <clears throat> if, uh, and, and again, we got to, you got to go and got to double check your CPA, make sure all of the stuff works out because I need to make sure we're not missing anything. But if you have your IRA and your SEP IRA and your Roth IRA, and those are the only accounts and the non-deductible IRA, pardon me. So we have four of them now. If you were to, uh, if you're still doing consulting income and uh, side income, and you go open up a solo 401k, or sometimes it's called an individual 401k um, at your custodian, which looks like a Schwab, uh, and you would open it up for this year, um, you could take your IRA, you could take your SEP IRA, and then you could also take, and this is where we get a little technical, but you could take the the growth that's occurred on the seven thousand dollars. Um, in your non-deductible IRA, you can move all of that pre-tax money into your solo 401k or individual 401k. And the moment all of that's sitting up there, you would then be allowed to do that backdoor Roth conversion without paying taxes, without dealing with what's called the pro rata rule. Exactly. Because the issue today is if Ann were to convert that current balance in the non-deductible IRA uh, the IRS is going to look at not just the non-deductible IRA and say, okay, let's look at this relatively small amount that was converted to the Roth. They're going to say, you converted $7,000 to your Roth. And what did that represent proportionally between your traditional IRA, your SEP IRA, plus the amount in the non-deductible IRA? Yeah, They're going to look at everything there, which is where the problems come in. And so what Scott's saying is one easy way around that is you get rid of the IRAs. And now this isn't saying just go dump them. It's saying, can you move them to a 401k? Right. Much like what Ann's asking, but instead of moving them to the employer plan, that sounds like it's very expensive and doesn't have great fund options. Do you move them to an individual 401k, which right. Ann would have complete control over Yep. in terms of the funds, the options and all that. And now all of a sudden the backdoor Roth conversion is on the table again. Which by the way, as of this recording, uh, update on, on what the house is pr- and the Senate's planning to propose backdoor Roth is probably remaining intact. Yes. As of this, and I, you know, sometimes we'll mention stuff that we're not super sure about yet. Cause we'll record these a few weeks in advance yeah. Yeah, and stuff's still in progress. And so sometimes Scott and I are thinking as of this recording, well, it's because sometimes this stuff is in flux and yes, this is one of those things, but it looks like the backdoor Roth is not being taken away. Right. It's great. And just to touch, touch in on that again for a second, you know, you could think like, you know, uh, someone at home might be thinking like, man, this this family makes a lot of money. They're in the highest tax bracket already. Why do we care about making this Roth contribution? It's kind of complex. It's kind of hard to do. Well, the reason why is because if you're going to be working for the foreseeable future, every time if, if Anne and her husband now take $14,000 a year of taxable money and go move it to be tax-free for the rest of its life, over the next you know, they're only in their fifties and we're probably going to live into our eighties and nineties. So over the next 30 to 40 years, all of that money gets to compound and grow tax-free. Yeah. 
that's it's 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 hard to fathom, but it it makes such a big impact yeah. in someone's financial life. Well, and it's because you look at the alternative, and and I'm guessing that if if Anne's maxing out her retirement plans, the 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 next question is where do I invest after I've maxed out my 401k? Mm-hmm. Well, you can keep investing an unlimited amount, but you'd have to do so in a brokerage account, which has its own benefits, mm-hmm. but tax savings isn't one of them. You're paying taxes on any dividends or interest or realized capital gains. And if you can invest that same exact way, but inside of a Roth, well, now all that's completely tax-free. And like Scott's saying, if you can compound that over several years and decades even, it has a big impact. Yeah. The other thing is there's 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 always tax legislation looming ahead. Who knows what's going to happen in our future? Well, one of the nicest ways to to kind of insulate yourself from future tax legislation is to have not only qualified pre-tax retirement assets like 401ks and also have brokerage accounts, but also have tax-free, have Roth money if you can, because then you kind of have a, a a mixture of investments that you can utilize. And if you have the ability, you can move from one bucket to another yep. to help you optimize um, tax strategies, Yeah, regardless of what tax strategies thrown at us in the future. Yeah. And, and one thing to note as well, sorry, off topic on that, but this question comes up a lot is Anne's mentioning that her husband also has money in his 401k and IRA. Mm-hmm. And if some of that's traditional, people's question is, well, does my spouse's traditional money impact that pro rata rule for me of traditional IRAs or SEP IRAs being factored in? And thankfully the answer is no. Yes. So even if the husband in Anne's situation had a bunch of money in a traditional IRA, Anne can still do the backdoor Roth IRAs. Right assuming her balance sheet is squared away in terms of not having money in pre-tax assets like her IRA and 401k. I'm sorry, SEP IRA, um, but it was all in a 401k instead. Right, right. Um, You know, the the next thing that comes to mind, so I hope that's helpful. I think it's episode one or two, honestly, was like the SEP IRA versus solo 401k. So yeah, it was one of the first. Go back and listen um, because it hasn't, the rules haven't changed. Uh, But then the next thing that I think of is um, for, for Anna's, if you can, uh, mention to your HR team that you you would love to see if they could help get a better 401k plan at work. Um, yeah. More and more uh, employers are actually getting, um, they, ha- ever, they all have a fiduciary responsibility to provide quality 401k plans. And so if they're not providing a quality 401k plans, which usually means higher costs, you could simply run down the, you can run down the lane of like, if it's higher fee mutual funds that are actively managed and all that stuff, they can you're kind of work working your way into getting out uh, on a limb a little bit. Fine, you think I'm over speaking? You tell me. But if you, what you'll see in the higher end plans, I'm saying higher end, are lower costs for for the employee, usually some index funds, maybe some like factor style investing funds as well um, that are usually kind of an evidence based strategy. Like those are the things we typically will see in the higher end plans. Yeah. So if you don't have that, um, just n- make a note, like raise your hand and ask for it. Yep. See if you can get a b- better plan in place. Sometimes employers will go look at this and they will add mega backdoor Roth options um, for their plans. Now, if you're if you're an owner of a company here, sorry to tell you that that probably doesn't work for you if you're a smaller employer because you have to deal with some testing. Uh, but if you're a, a, an employee at a larger firm, um, those are things that can be really wonderful for you and give you planning techniques that you don't have right now. Yep. Yeah, and on and on top of that, uh, we don't know what Ann's consulting business looks like. If if the consulting business 
if there's enough income coming in from that and there's concerns that the 401k plan at work has high fees, there's not great options, and there's no match, there's not a lot of benefit to that other than just the pure tax benefit of right. whatever I put in as a tax deduction. Right. Well, and if you have that solo 401k set up, you could redirect all the contributions to your own solo 401k, invest in whatever funds you want to. The only thing that you need to be sure of is, is there enough consulting income that would allow for that full contribution? Yeah. So hypothetically, for example, if you had $26,000 for 2021 of consulting income, you could put that full $21,000 into your solo 401k. 26. What did I say? You said 21. I knew what you meant, though. Okay. I'm just, I'm just Thank you. catching, catching You're keeping, on me. keeping people honest. That $26,000, if you had $26,000 of income, you could put that full $26,000 into the solo 401k. If you had more, you could do a employee contribution to that solo 401k that would be mm-hmm. capped at 26000 just like it is at your employer. You could also do what would be called a profit-sharing contribution that would be it would be limited based on based upon the amount of net income you're showing or mm-hmm. wages you're showing generally between 20 to 25% of that but you could do all the way up to 50 60,000 dollars into that if you have the right amount of income so not only could this setting up a solo 401k allow for future uh, backdoor Roth contributions it could also allow for much more effective investing maybe even more investing uh, than you're able to do right now so yeah. Other things to consider. Uh, the only, I want to give a, I, I, I love where you're going with that and the thought process there. And I, I would, I would continue that. I just want to give a couple of warnings with individual 401ks. One is that if you have over $250,000 in the plan, you have to file a form called the 5500EZ. Now it is fairly easy to file, but mm-hmm. if you don't do it, the penalties are big. Mm. So you need to make sure you know what you're doing when you have this plan, people do them all the time, but just know that it's not, it, it's a, it's a big, it can be a big issue if you don't do it properly. So make sure you're handling all of this properly. Right. Um, and it's much the same way, like the, the accountant recommended, Hey, do the, do the non-deductible contribution. But you know, the, the, um, the CPA didn't say like, Hey, by the way, do you have an IRA and a SEP IRA? And like, do you know what the pro rata rule is? Like, right. it's all the little nuance pieces that add up to making a really good plan function well. Yep. So hopefully we gave some some ideas on what to do um, to potentially help with this. the The underlying question, though, of um, you know, can I can I undo this or should I undo it? Um, if if you came to me with with a seven thousand dollar contribution in an IRA that's non deductible, and you're like, hey, this is kind of nagging me. Can I undo this? Um, my inclination would actually be for you not to undo it. Um, reason being that the $7,000 is now already after tax, but all the growth that's happening on top of it gets to grow. Pre- you don't have to pay taxes on that while it grows. We just need to mark that you've paid $7,000 in taxes on all your IRA accounts. Mm-hmm. So in the future, when you take out your contributions or your, your distributions, your required minimum distributions when you're 72, we don't want you to get taxed twice. Yep. Yeah. And you need to be, what is it? Form 5408. Every time you do that non-deductible contribution to tell the IRS, this is not a deduction. Um, but then yes, if you, you got to treat the contribution differently than the growth, like you're mentioning and have a plan for that. The other warning and thank you for, for mentioning this not warning, but thing to be aware of is if you set up the solo 401k, I talked about the fact that you can now fund that solo 401k too, and have whatever funds you want. 
there is still contribution limits that apply holistically to all of your plans. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't max that out and max out your 401k at work and max out the SEP. Different contribution limits are going to apply and there's limits for how much you can put in as an employee to your 401k at work and your solo 401k. And then how much you can put in as an employer, which should be where your SEP IRA and solo 401k, just planning would come into effect of making sure that you're not over-contributing because then that leads to return of excess contributions and taxes and penalties and yeah. stuff like that. So all become, that fun stuff. Become really well-versed in it um, or, you know, become really well-versed in it and or have a an accountant who really knows what they're doing and or have a great financial advisor who knows what they're doing. But make sure you have either yourself or a team in place to make sure that everything's getting handled appropriately. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. Off topic of the non-deductible IRA contribution, but it looks like you have money earmarked for long-term care premium. No, it's totally separate from this. I'm not sure that you need long-term care looking at this. Now, granted, I have no idea what you want your lifestyle and expenses and all that to be in retirement, but I tend to find the people who are doing better and save, the people have saved more or invested more along the way. There's maybe less of a need for long-term care insurance because you can self-insure if you're doing things correctly, especially if you have a ton of equity in a home and investments and savings and all that. So kind of off topic, but that could potentially be 150 grand that keeps growing and compounding and working for you if you need it. Yeah. And if you do have a long-term care event, well, what could that 150,000 grow to by the time that long-term care event uh, comes into play? Yeah. Uh, you know, some, for some reasons, for some, a long-term care policy can make a ton of sense for others. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big keys is it's always nice to look at with someone who's looking at it hopefully through the eyes of, of helping you as a fiduciary versus um, selling it in the moment. Yep. So um, yeah, but good, good thing to know. Yeah. Um, I think that covers it. Unless is there anything else in the question that you think is worth going over? No, I, I just hope that the answer about the, the solo 401k versus a SEP is helpful. I hope you understanding that you have the power, especially and your other employees have the power to, to help, get a better plan in place at work. Uh, a lot of people are working on that all the time because um, that leads to better outcomes for you all. Yeah. Um, and then, and then just, uh, yeah, the, the where to contribute based on income and is such a great point. I think we hit all the high points here. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Anne, for the question. Hope that was helpful and we'll see everyone next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.